Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, everybody. All right, so welcome to the inaugural Heavy Cardboard Top 6 list. Mm -hmm. So, Top 6. Why? Well, we review and rate games on a 1 to 6 scale, so it ties it all together. But why the 1 to 6 scale? Well, I mean, you know, 1 to 10 is just too granular. Yeah, I mean, what's the difference between a 6 and a 7 on a rated game or right. a 4 and a 5? Eh, it's really? hard to decide. <laughs> and back in the day when Tony and I started the podcast, we rated on a 1 to 4 right. scale because we thought, hey, there's no middle ground. But then we realized that's a little too far in the other direction. Yeah, it so really was. 1 to 6 really has fit mm -hmm. so far and we feel like over the course of the last couple of years that's really fit with what it is we're trying to do here on the show so why not do a top six list and kind of tie it all together right right exactly today's top six list is the biggest recent surprises in board games pleasant surprises we're going to keep this on the positive end not all of these top sixes are going to be pleasant happy puppy dogs and ice cream right, some of but, these are going to be piss and vinegar but this one we're going to start out happy and 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 unicorns and rainbows right you know why not start it off on a positive note right <laughs> i mean seriously but we're also not doing a you know this isn't a hard and fast timeline like the biggest surprises in 2017 no or we're not like doing that. that yet right now now that's not to say we're not going to do some lists that are like that, you just, know, as we go along over the course of coming months and years. Just this one specifically. Right. So this one, you're talking in the last year to 18 months yeah. that we have experienced the game that, wow, huh, that's better than I thought it was going to yep. be. Now, another caveat here. If you've listened to the show in the past, you understand that and I still do not really understand how you go about doing this, Amanda, but you don't really anticipate mm -mm. games. No, not at even a little bit, actually. Like, you don't go on to BGG and see what's coming. Mm -mm. You you depend on me to find out about these. You are my BGG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I, when I say something, you're like, oh, that sounds cool. Mm -hmm. And pretty much... Forget about it until hey, what are we playing tonight? Yeah. Oh, okay. That uh, sure. Let's. I really, I try. truly do. Yes. Why? That that piece of the hobby just doesn't interest me. But I, I'm not really ever that into what's coming in general. Like, you know, what movies are coming out or what music's. I I I don't care. It's about gonna, the upcoming. I don't care about the upcoming. It's all about what's here and now. Right. Like, okay. That's great. But I don't care. Do I, can I have it now? No. Okay. Then. So this made for kind of an odd list because mm -hmm. now I, I have my, you know, biggest recent surprise, pleasant surprises. Yeah. I, that's no problem for me. But, but for it's, me, yeah, it it's was, a little bit wonky, right? Yeah. It was. It was the only, re really, the only way that I could do this was by thinking about, okay, whenever I first sat down to play, X and I looked at the components and stuff and then I was taught the game basically going from the teach onward whether I thought I would like it or not just initial impressions and the ones that I was surprised by from that point forward that you enjoyed yeah okay you see and I think that's kind of a cool way to uh, for you to approach this list mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool that was really the only way I could though yeah I I, I mean I guess I didn't think about it when I actually said, hey, how about we do this? And yeah. you're like, yeah, wait. Um, yeah. Hey. Well, it, originally I thought, okay, well, that'll just be the one that he does because he's the one that goes, you know, figures out the games we're going to play and stuff. And then you were like, hey, let's do yours too. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. 
So before we get started, some honorable mentions before I get into the list, because, well, frankly, it's our list and I can break the rules if I want. So neener, neener, neener. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to touch on these briefly. Mm-hmm. And Amanda, you can either shoot them down. I think you like actually most of these yeah. anyways. So there's that. So first off, 13 days, Twilight Struggle theme and feel Mm -hmm. but in a 30 to 45 minute game yeah i thought that was really well done and i wanted to keep this list more bigger games i guess not to discount what 13 days does but i just felt that that was on the filler end of things for us and so therefore i didn't want to include it in this list but it's really great at what it does and with mark herman coming out with a take on a CDG kind of what 13 days did, but now using that for a civil war setting kind of. That's really cool. That was really interesting to follow along and to hear his, the way his path went along on that. So Mm -hmm. it's a system and a truncated game that, or a truncated way to look at a game. So I thought that was really cool. So I thought it deserves an honorable mention here. Definitely. High Treason, The Trial of Louis Real. I mean, we, we featured an entire episode on it. Mm-hmm. I mean. Now, this game is one that I did. I didn't do any research on it or anything, but you started talking about this game a long time before it came out. And I literally ran to the VG, uh, the VPG booth at BGGCon to get it. Remember? Yeah, to pick it up because yeah. the just the theme on yeah. it was phenomenal. Plus, you know, how many games where you play as a lawyer? None. One. One. Yeah. (laughs) And so the reason this didn't make my list is, honestly, I fully expected to like the game. Exactly. So it's not a surprise that we liked it. And it's a a Golden Elephant Award honorable mention as well for Mm -hmm. 2016. So, yeah, really, really awesome, uh, fantastic game. You can go listen to our review of it if that's something that interests you. Mm -hmm. And we also did a playthrough of it oh we did a two-player mm-hmm. well obviously because it's a two-player right. only game yeah this is me and, and you and our, our buddy alex barry who has become our buddy yeah lives local ish he's a defense lawyer that lives down in colorado springs mm-hmm. occasionally comes up here and we'll get a game in from yeah. simon again with him so yeah definitely a really cool game and deserves a mention i feel like a couple others real quick shogun I'd heard how much the randomness and the the pre-programming and all that just adds to just the chaos Mm -hmm. in this game. But I feel like that you can play the players pretty well, or at least should be able to play the players as you go along. And so our play of this, only one play, up when we went up to Portland to go visit with Jim from Punching Cardboard, that was just a hoot. I, I had a blast yeah, with that game. It was so much fun. And I think also the people we were playing with made it fun too. Sure. It was us, Ty, Tony KR, yeah. uh, Jim, Jim, all that. Yeah. that. yeah, that was a really, really good fun, a good time. And only one play. So that's why it's on my honorable mention. Mari Nostrum, a game in which uh, we've had the original version and yeah. the mythology expansion. A long never, time. Yep. Never got around to playing it. Played the revised version i guess is a good way to put it from academy games and was surprised now it's a civ game so you would think i would be predisposed to liking Mm -hmm. it and you too yeah yeah yeah. but it still surprised me at how well it did it does what it does being a civ game in under two hours 
really, really a fun game. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, so let's get to the top six. Let's. So starting off with my number six, we'll, we'll talk about talk it about. here in a little bit yeah. when we get it. <laughs> it's further up on Amanda's list. And my number six, we'll oh, talk yeah. about in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, about that. Okay. My number five, we'll talk yeah. about in a little bit. Yeah, I guess we will, won't we? Mm-hmm. All right, my number five and Amanda's number six. Yes. In Infamous Traffic. 2016, published by Hollenspiel, designed by Cole Worley. I mean, it was a Golden Elephant Award finalist for a reason, right? The theme alone is what had me interested in the game. I mean, I appreciate darker themes. I appreciate both designers and publishers that are willing to take a risk and bring up games that feature subjects that are risky yeah. or controversial or something like along those lines. Mm-hmm. And Cole Worley's game really does a really good job here of this, which is it's the opium importing into China back in the 18th, 19th century. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not too many games about that. Not huh? too many games about opium trafficking. No, I can't, I can't say that. Yeah. Um, the reason why I was afraid I really wouldn't enjoy it is because all of Cole's games are so opaque, but, and you know, and I don't deal very well <laughs> with opaqueness, but the game, the game for me, for some reason, just clicked. I was able to grok it, as you say, very easily. Right. And yeah, so it wasn't as difficult as I was afraid it was going to be. So that made me like it more. Okay. All right. And yeah, obviously, it's a Golden Elephant Award finalist for a reason. Yeah. Both the theme, the way the theme is abstracted, yet still conveys the feeling of what it is that you're trying to model. Mm-hmm. I think it does a marvelous job of that. And I kind of anticipated liking it, but I really wasn't sure. And that's why it made my list. Right. And by the way, we always already have a uh, live stream teaching and full playthrough of the game. We did. But when we were actually doing that, we said, wow, this game played out so differently than our other ones. We're going to actually do a second one so we can show folks mm-hmm. the different ways that, or at least a different way yeah, that the yeah. game can can play out. So we're actually going to be live streaming that without the teach since right. we already had that covered. We're going to do that on Friday night. Right. So if that's something that interests you, definitely come check that out. Yeah, so it'll be Friday night, June 30th, and... Um It'll also be our feature review in episode 78. Right, which is the day before. So it's 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 a lot of an infamous traffic this week. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of, it felt like it all flowed together. So yeah. it made sense mm-hmm. to us. Definitely. Cool. So that's my number five and Amanda's number six right. in infamous traffic. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings me to my number four, which somehow, some way is not on your list. I don't understand <laughs> that. And that's Kepler- 3042, 2016 game designed by Simone Cerruti Sola and published by Placentia Games. Now, we live streamed this a while back and we're going to review it in the upcoming months. But about mm-hmm. the game specifically, this game originally came out at Essen 2016. And it was on my, oh, yeah, I want to stop by and take a look at that mm-hmm. game list. It wasn't on my ZOMG, right. I need to go buy this game, right? Right, right. So on the day that I decided I was going to swing by the Placentia Games booth, I walked up to the table and all four players who were playing this had their head in their hand kind of studying the board or studying their their tableau and everything. And I was like, 
<laughs> really? Now I, I'm, I, this is, this has piqued my interest even yeah. more now. So I watched uh, a turn or so and I was like, yep, I want to check out this game. So got a copy and brought it home and well, pretty much everybody who has played it has enjoyed it within our group. Yeah, the reason why I, it's not on my list is because I figured I would like it from the teach. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I guess that makes sense yeah. then. So obviously you did like yeah. it then? Yeah, I like I like the game. I like anything that's, not anything, but just about anything that's space related because I wanted to be an astronaut when I was little until I realized that I would actually have to leave Earth and that was kind of scary. So <laughs> Kind of scary? All right. <laughs> and I hear space is hard as you found out in High oh, Frontier. Oh, I don't even want to talk about High Frontier. So yeah, 3042. Definitely looking forward to playing that even more and reviewing it in an upcoming episode. Yeah. So that's my number four. And my number four we will talk about later. Eventually, we get to start talking about Amanda's games, right? I'm doubtful, really. Oh, wait. Number three. My number three was Tigris and Euphrates. Um, it was made in 1997 by Rainer Knizia, and it was published about a thousand different people. Yeah, it, it definitely seemed that way as far as different publishers. Yeah. I think the re- most recent was Fantasy Flight. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I think not, so with the fancy bits. So Tigris and Euphrates. Wow, really? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of area control games and area majority games. So when Mark was teaching it, I was like, okay. But playing it was fun. I enjoyed it, and I realized that I didn't actually hate, maybe don't hate area majority and control as much as I thought I did. (laughs) But what is it specifically that you really, that that you enjoyed so much on this? The enjoyable part for me was the fact that you can kind of like fight and go to war with other players, but you don't really feel like you're really like fighting, fighting each other. And I don't know... I know that's really weird because you're looking at me funny, but like you can go and attack another player, but the way that it goes about it, I don't feel as bad. I thought you were over. I am most of the time, but you know, it depends on my mood. Sometimes I feel worse than others. All right. So fair enough for me. And when we we did a trailer, I yeah, believe, yeah. of this back in the day and had mentioned that I could definitely see this being one of those games that really requires lots of play, like a borderline lifestyle game it, to it, where it is, it broke my brain almost the first time I played it because the different things that you need to be able to balance inside mm-hmm, your head mm-hmm. and the way that combat works and... The way the scoring works is very Kinesia. Oh, very much. That, you know, whichever of the... The fewest you have, you get the most points for it. Or that's what you score Mm -hmm. of it. It's one that I I would be willing and and would not dislike playing again. But I feel like I would never get to a competent level in this game unless I'm willing to dedicate the time to it. And so that has kind of... Yeah, it's nice there on the shelf, but how often are we actually going to get it to the table? Right, and as I said in my trailer for it, I don't feel like I would need to get as um, perfect at it as you feel like you would, so I wouldn't mind playing it every once in a while. Okay, fair enough. Cool. All right, so that's my number three, Tigris and Euphrates by Reiner Knizia. And my number three 
is arguably, I, I, I think, my favorite Kiesling and Klama <laughs> game. So, Cavum, uh, published uh, by Eagle Griffin Games, uh, designed by the aforementioned Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer. We actually reviewed it in episode 46. Aegis theme, 18xx track lane aspects, mm-hmm. but with explosions. Yes. I like the variable market in this mm-hmm. game. I mean, we, we've talked about how, yeah, market and selling goods we enjoy, but we enjoy it far more whenever it's a dynamic market in that the players control supply and demand and will dictate what goods are are worth based on their actions. And this has an aspect of that to where you're actually building mines and mining out gems, building the tracks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quote unquote, in the in this mountain to go mine these different veins of different goods or different uh, jewels. And then you have to extract them, bring them to town, and sell them. I've, I'd heard mixed things before I picked up a copy and then as we played it, I was like, oh, man, this is this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really like the track lane aspect and the the ingenuity in which you can lay track and yeah. the ways that you're able to do that. And then you have the chaos induced by player controlled <laughs> explosions yes. that will devastate either yours or and or other players track that you have laid. Now, a lot of people who don't like this game, this is the reason they don't like it more often than not is because of, I just spent all this time building up all this track and now you just wrecked Mm -hmm. it. I like to think of it as, one, these things happen, so it's thematic, and number two, well, it just gives me a chance to recreate or think of a different way to go about building maybe a more efficient or more clever route in which to take to be able to both pick up and deliver these these gems. Mm-hmm. And it's not on my list because I this is another one that I felt like I would like from a teach. I like track laying. I like the age of steam, you know, track laying bit of it. I like the the uh, the explosions. Cause, you know, who doesn't love to be able to explode something every now and then? And I love I love gems. I love gems and jewelry. Oh, so the artwork of the things that you're actually, the contracts, yeah. kind of the, the oh, recipe fulfillment so, aspect. So, so beautiful. So that I was like, yep, going to like it. All right. Well, easy enough. Yeah. And it's it really surprised me in how much I enjoyed the game and how good of a game it is. And yeah, I mean, we we, we talked about that exact yep. thing in episode 46. We're hoping to do a live stream playthrough of it here in upcoming amount of weeks Mm -hmm. i'll say this summer so look for that that's definitely uh one that i'm excited for yeah me too and so that's my number three cavum which leads me to my number two which is my number four forged in steel also published in 2016 designed by wade broadhead and published by nightworks who happens to be localish pub, small mm-hmm. publisher down in Colorado Springs for it. So again, kind of a tie localish, but yes. that's unrelated. Now, when I first heard of this game, I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. You're building up the city of Pueblo, you know, over the uh the 19th and turn of the 20th century. Okay, cool, whatever. The reason 
I truly got this game was because I was more excited about the other game that they yeah. were publishing, which is Hands in a Sea, which is a another local designer, Daniel Berger's take on the A Few Acres of Snow system by Martin Wallace, but this one's set in the Punic War. Ancient Rome? Yes, please. <laughs> so I was super excited about that. Well, we got a prototype, Tony and I did, of Forged in Steel, and we mm-hmm. messed around with it a little bit. Well, yeah, that, hey, that's that's kind of cool. A little worried about the, the randomness in the game, this and that, whatever. We ended up getting both the games at the same time from the Kickstarters. And when you know, some folks in our group wanted to play Forged in Steel, they, they were like, oh, what's that? And I told them, okay, hey, we'll try that. So we learned it, and we got it to the table. It's a card-driven game. Uh, that is going to be more familiar to war game folks, yes. Twilight Struggle folks, those type, to where each card has a command value, or in this case, it's called municipal muscle. That you know, you have one, two, three, four points of of action allotment yeah. uh, that you're allowed to to spend these points of doing certain things, or each card has a special event mm-hmm. that you can trigger. That does something cool. And a lot of these are quote unquote overpowered. So if everything's overpowered, nothing's overpowered, exactly. that type of thing. Yeah. And wouldn't you know, building up the city of Pueblo was A, a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Really mean if you want to play it mm-hmm. that way against one another. And it was really awesome to see the evolution of this little, tiny, little podunk town become this sprawling city historically exactly how it kind of played mm-hmm. out with the different neighborhoods to where you're you're built physically building up buildings mm-hmm. to, and neighborhoods to eventually become mayor because mayor is a gives you a, a lot of power in this game you're you're opening mines you're doing all these things that you would think huh Colorado western town around the turn of the century yeah that makes sense yeah I this was another one that I wasn't too sure about because of the um, area majority part of it. And to be perfectly that honest, makes sense. and to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not really sure that I still understand how the elections work. Okay. So that we'll have to go over a little bit more. All right. Well, we're going to be reviewing it. We're going to be live streaming yeah. it. So during the live the live stream, I will probably ask you beforehand to go over that a little bit more with me. All right. But I love um, card driven games. So I figured that I would like this one as well, but it's it's on my list because I didn't know I would like it as much as I did. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I really enjoy this game. It's and so much fun. I did too. And our buddy Carmen over at Game Surplus <laughs> was so angry at us that this only got an honorable mention, didn't get a finalist for the yeah. Golden Elephant Award this year. But sorry, Carmen. But that said, fantastic game. Really and one is. that really excited that is in our collection and is going to stay there. Oh, definitely. So that is my number two, Amanda's number four, Forged in Steel. (laughs) All right. My number two. And my number six. Panthelos. It was published in 2014, made by Bernd Eisenstein and published by Iron Games. Which is his publishing house. I mean, look at the box. Yeah, they... they, Okay, you got... This is one of those games that we like in spite of the artwork. Yeah. So, we really enjoyed the game. However, they chose the worst part of the artwork to not only highlight it, but make it the cover of the box. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
just drastically negatively impacted the, Absolutely. the reach and interest level of this game when it came out at Essen in 2014. I think that there's that's without a doubt because look, just looking at the box cover, whenever we first started to begin to play that game, I looked at the box cover and I was like, are, are, you, are you sure? Right. So we reviewed this in episode 53, but it's... It's a worker placement with a lot of absolute direct confrontation mm-hmm. to where you were truly fighting one another and taking each other's stuff yeah. or at least making them spend each other's stuff or you using and abusing your opponents for mm-hmm. victory points. And when, if you can get past the artwork, we thoroughly enjoyed this oh, yeah. game. And now I had heard about this and I was definitely like... Oh, that sounds kind of cool. I think it was Rado had done some sort of, he touched on it at some point okay. right after Essen in 2014. And so I was like, huh. But it sat on the shelf for a while. And well, after it took me a while to actually get a copy. And then once we actually got it to the table, we got it to the table early and often. Yeah, a lot. A lot. And it got to the point to where we were like, you know what? We probably ought to stop playing it for a while yeah. so we don't burn out on it. Yeah, and I think I actually did burn out on it because I don't want to play that game for a while. Right, but yeah. I don't either, but I'm not willing to get rid of it yet. No, not not at all. And I'm also, that my getting kind of tired of it does not diminish how much I enjoyed it while we were playing it It's so just much. we played it so much so We quick, played it to so, death. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a fun worker placement uh Dice as workers, mm-hmm. where you don't actually roll the dice, the best kind of dice, in my opinion. Yes. And yeah, just go back and listen to episode 53 if you want to get more details. But yeah, definitely a really, really exciting game. So that's my number two. And my number six. Panthelos. All right. So this brings us to my number one. Biggest recent pleasant surprise for me in Amanda's number five, Millennium Blades. Designed by D. Brad Talton Jr. and published by his own company, which is Level 99 Games. We haven't reviewed it. We haven't live streamed it. It is a 2016 Golden Elephant Award finalist. Mm -hmm. This game has so many reasons why I should not like it. It's not even funny. Yep. Same here. (laughs) All right, so it's got the artwork style mm-hmm. manga, right? Right. That I am not at not all a fan a of. Fan of. So that's a knock against it, you would think. It has a fair amount of real-time stuff in mm-hmm. it to where the, when you're actually constructing your collection and figuring out what decks you're going to be putting that's together. That's all timed. So that's uh, a round of seven minutes, a round of seven minutes, then a round of six minutes. I really dislike yeah. real-time. Hell, I, I, I dislike real-time strategy video games. I much <laughs> prefer turn-based games to where I can actually think about what it is I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. So that's strike two. Okay. Strike three is, well, I mean, I used to play Magic back in the, back in the day, you know, in the early, mid, uh, mid to late 90s, I would say. And then I ended up selling my collection because I burned out on it and right. I just got tired of it. I wasn't interested in playing it anymore. And this game is a meta game about playing as someone who plays in CCG tournaments. Yo, dog. There's so much about this game that just 
is horrible in a <laughs> sense that I should not like very much of this game. Yeah. Not to mention the amount of randomness, which is point number four. Mm-hmm. Just you're drawing cards and you don't know what you're going to get. Right. It, it, it's to simulate opening up packs of cards of, you know, of whether it's Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, whatever, stuff like Legend of the Five Rings, all this stuff, right. all these CCGs out there. And the card that you actually get represents the best card in the deck. So four very strong, very good reasons why I should just abhor this game. But it's so much fun. This game kicks ass. It does. This it's is so much fun. And, and, and there's that word fun. Now, we, we do a pretty good job, I think, of avoiding using that word. Because as I've heard... Games like Arkwright described as, that looks like spreadsheet the game. How could that possibly be fun? That looks like work. Whereas for you and me... It's fun. That's our type of fun. Right. Whereas something like Pandemic or uh, Dead of Winter, that, you know, these co-ops. That is work. Right. I That does not sound fun at all nope. to me. So... How do you define fun? So we try to avoid that term mm-hmm. because one man's per, uh, one person's fun is is another person's work, et cetera, et cetera. However, I'm really hard pressed, and and there's a reason we haven't reviewed this game yet is because how do you explain fun right. and why this game is so much fun? fun? And it just really, really is. It just is, and the, I don't know. I don't know how to quantify it. I don't know how to explain it. It's just fun. It is so much fun. And the, But the reason why I'm not really, why I wasn't sure about it is, again, I agree with you with the art style, but also with the timeness, the timing things. The timeness? I, cre- I make up words all the time, okay? The timeness, yes. Just knowing that you only have a certain amount of time to make your decks and everything, that stresses me out to no end. And so... I wasn't really sure about that, but it's it just it adds to it. It adds to the pressure. It adds to the feeling of that you are in the finals of this major tournament that you're having to try to win. And it just it adds the stress level that it adds is not a bad stress. It's it adds to the experience. I 100 percent agree with that. And I was just really I. I was like, okay, there's so much about this game that I shouldn't like, and it really shouldn't be a game like how do you simulate playing as players who play in ccg tournaments like how does that even work and i thought it was just a marvel of design to make that work so Mm -hmm. it it definitely caught me by surprise how much i liked it i mean it was my number one for a reason so yeah just it's very much not going to be the type of game that everybody enjoys no it's going to be a very particular audience and i fully expect that the overwhelming amount of folks that listen to this show and by this show i mean heavy cardboard in general are not gonna like this game Mm -hmm. because of those four reasons that i gave earlier however if it does pique your interest just try it i would definitely recommend giving it a try Mm -hmm. definitely try before you buy but I think you might be pleasantly surprised at how much those four things, at least in our case, didn't negatively affect how much we enjoyed right. the game. Right. So my number one, Millennium Blades. And that was my number five. My number one, 
and originally was going to be in my honorable mentions, but well, I didn't want to give it away. <laughs> Is Stratomatic Baseball. It was made in 1962, designed by Hal Richman, and all of these years, it's only ever been published by the Stratomatic Game Company. 1962. Yeah. Wow. I mean, wow. That's really? some staying power right so there, So now man. you and I both played this for the first time at HeavyCon. Yeah. All because Jim from Punchy Cardboard was like, and Scotty Bedell, mm-hmm. they were like, hey, y'all want to get a Stratomatic baseball tournament going? Uh, during HeavyCon, and I was like, dude, I want to try this game. And I was like, what? I mean, we both are huge baseball fans, right. so that first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But, but that, the reason why I wasn't so sure about it was all those charts and stuff. Yeah, it's yo dog charts. Yeah. I, I mean, I, baseball. I hear you like charts. <laughs> baseball's all about statistics. Right. And over the course of a 162-game season, more often than not, the players are going to look like what's on the back of their baseball cards, mm-hmm. right? The stats that are back there. So this game is all about rolling dice and seeing what happens in the outcome between your pitcher and my hitter. Yep. Rinse and repeat for three out, for 27 outs over the yeah. course of nine innings, yeah. possibly more. Yeah. And every year they put out a new set of cards to represent what happened last year's Season mm-hmm. real so uh Scotty Bedell was nice enough to gift us a copy well, I of actually gave Asher. Okay, yeah, gave Asher yeah. a copy back when the Reds were good back in <laughs> 2010, 2012. And just this is the type of game that again, very small audience. I understand that that's going to like this because you have to enjoy the aspect of looking up rolling dice first off. Right. And enjoying what randomness happens because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen, you know, on a given, uh, you know, at bat right? In, in baseball. Plus, I mean, let's face it, sports ball, not the most popular topic in this hobby. Right. But it's what appeals so much to me, I think, is the fact that you can play any team from any time. Like we could play Mickey Mantle versus Felix Hernandez. Okay, you're talking like uh, a 50s, 60s Yankees team versus a a Seattle Mariners team from this year and match them up and see how they do. and that's fascinating to me. I think that's really cool. And the thing I dig about it is if you were to play through an entire 162-game season, Mm -hmm. that's... It's about going to happen what happened. Just about, but... But it doesn't have to, and that's the right. that's the cool thing about this. And it was just again, here we go, saying that word again. Fun. fun. Yep. I mean, when Jim came over and stayed here, he and I stayed up till like one thirty in the morning, him playing the twenty sixteen Cubs that won the World Series mm-hmm. against my twenty sixteen Reds that finished with the second worst record in all of baseball. And you know, you hear about in a lot of Ameritrash-type games and everything, you have these stand-up roles and these, this story that the game tells. Yeah. Well, I jumped out to an early lead. Jim came back. He ended up tying it up in the ninth inning. 
It went extra innings, and then Zach Cozart for the Reds got up, <laughs> jacked one out, and you know you're you're doing a little mind play, not really uh, role playing or anything like that, but Listen in your mind in your you're like, oh, it he crushed it, he got all of it, it went deep <laughs> over the fence, and we ended up winning the game, and it was <laughs> it was just it was just a really cool story that the game tells that yeah. was just a lot of fun, and it's something. That you and I can enjoy it, mm-hmm. can enjoy together. It's something that, you know, if we have half an hour, we can bust out, you know, maybe a game. Pretty well, quick this about is that. even a game that we could play over Skype with Jim or Scotty or whoever, or any of our or, patrons yeah, yeah, or anybody. whatever. Yeah. yeah, we don't. This isn't a game that we could not that we would have to be in person to play against the other. You, this one you can do however. Right. And that's actually a pretty cool idea. Yeah. So I think at some point we're actually going to try and live stream one of this, you versus me. Mm-hmm. Now, is it going to make for exciting? I, I don't know. but Well, I yeah, think, I would think so because I'm going to be squealing and screaming whenever my guys do good and moaning and groaning when you guys do good. So, okay, that that sounds kind of interesting. It's just I don't, oh, here, let me look this up. Right. Oh, let me look this up and all this. But nonetheless... Yeah, just I was I was shocked at how much I really enjoyed this game, having never played this mm-hmm. from back in the day. Well, I also would like to say that without HeavyCon, this wouldn't even be on my radar. That's true because the guys wouldn't have. I mean, where else? How many how many cons out there where people are breaking out Stratomatic right. baseball? Which I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, right? I like it. Cool. So you're number one, Stratum- and my. Your honorable mention, right? Honorable mention on, you know, I'm looking at his list going, yeah, maybe it belongs. <laughs> Stratomatic baseball. All right. So that's our top six. Yeah. Our first one. Tell us what you think. Let us know. Uh, hit us up. Contact at heavycardboard.com. <laughs> hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Whatever, yeah. Et cetera. And if all this extra content is made available, thanks to our patrons over on patreon.com. Truly, this isn't happening. Right. We don't have the extra time that this we wouldn't have this extra time if it wasn't for them. So if it's something that you want to continue hearing, um, A, do you are you do you dig the idea of the top six list? And B, do you just like the extra content? Let us know. And if it's something you want to support, we definitely appreciate the two hundred and forty patrons that we have. Yes. If you want to make that two forty one, we would definitely appreciate it. Patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. Yeah. And we definitely want your feedback on this. Yes, please do. Let us know if let us know what your biggest recent surprise has been. Because we want to hear what you guys think yeah, too. Yeah, I think that would that would definitely be a, a cool topic for discussion. Yes. All right. So thanks a lot. And we will, I guess, when you guys have this, it'll be two days. We'll have episode seventy eight in infamous traffic for you. Yep, yep. Talk to y'all later. Bye guys. Bye.